You're listening to episode 91 of the 200 Churches Podcast. When you don't think you need to go home or when you don't think you need to stop, you don't work smart. If there's no stop time, you take more time than you need. If you're there for 10 hours or 15 hours or whatever it is, any, any of us, how many hours are you actually working? If you tighten up your day and actually work the hours that you're there, you can go home a lot quicker. Thank you for listening to the 200 Churches Podcast, which is all about pastors of small churches. If you are a small church pastor or leader, this podcast is for you. Each and every Wednesday, we deliver another episode specifically designed to bring ministry encouragement to pastors of small churches. Now here are two guys who serve and lead in a 200 church, the smoke and mirrors of ministry podcasts, Jeff and Johnny. This is the 200 Churches Podcast. I am Johnny Craig, and as always, I'm here with my friend and colleague. Jeff Cady. Jeff, I don't, I'm not sure I appreciate the introduction Angela gave us today. The smoke and mirrors. You know it's true. No, man, we're the real deal. No, it's all illusion. No, no. Do not look behind the curtain. <laughs> that does not sound positive at all. That's all well, right. Well, you know, we're actually not the smoke and mirrors. If we no. were smoke and mirrors, man, we would have been where we're at today like two months after we started. Yes, absolutely. We have ground out every tiny little listener we can yes. find. So yes. if you are listening to this episode, thank you so much for joining us. Yes. You you have graced us with your presence. and we appreciate you deeply. We are here together. Yeah. Thank you for listening. So today, Jeff, we have Dan Ryland. Dan the Enforcer yes. Ryland. Now, we've been without him for a while. It's very sad. I need to explain why. Okay. The last time, and it's not his fault, he has no. given us the time, and the last time we recorded, we recorded two episodes. Yep. And for whatever reason, the audio did not work out well. And I have been sitting on those episodes on my computer, fussing, fretting, fuming, Trying to figure out what am I going to do? Fomenting, even fomenting, frothing <laughs> at the mouth, yes, <laughs> and feasting. Well, anyway, oh, um, you know what am I going to do? So you've been frenzied. Yes, I've been frenzied, harried. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't go ahead. What What are we going to do about it? So I've gone back to it, and I've gone back to it, and I've yes. tried to work my technological magic. You are a wizard. Yes, but not really. The I'm smoke and a, mirrors. This yeah, is where the smoke and yeah, mirrors This is smoke in. and mirrors. If I'm a technological guru with sound, that is smoke and mirrors. Yeah. Um, I've used what little I could cobble together, and I decided that if he couldn't sound good, like really good, then we weren't going to either. Right. So I put a filter on all of us. If, if the enforcer ain't happy, ain't nobody ain't happy. Ain't nobody happy. That's so right. you and I don't sound that great either. But nope. it just sounds like we're talking on the telephone. Like we're talking on the phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of making it sound like we're all sitting in the room together like I try to do, actually it sounds like we're all on the telephone. But it's not that you miss anything. Like you're not going to miss actual content because of the way it's well see i I would have gladly just chucked these two because of their quality yeah but the quality of the content is so good it's off the charts man because on this episode we decided to go rogue with dan ryland yeah we jumped off script remember and we just decided we're going to talk to him about his life talk to him about how he operates how he leads it was awesome how he manages however many staff he manages at 12 stone yeah and just you know kind of what makes him tick 
And it was it was great to get Dan's insights into his kind of daily routine, into the way that they think about leadership and and about time management and things like that at Twelve Stone. And honestly, it was it was one of the coolest podcasts we've done with Dan because it was we were all we were all in it just having this conversation together. Usually, we send him an outline. You know, we we work yeah. off one of his blogs uh, that he's done in the past or or his book we did for a while, and we start with that as an outline. But this time, it's it's unfiltered Dan Ryland and yeah. I love it. It's awesome. Yeah, no outline. He had no outline. We had no outline. Poor guy. No, it is a good conversation. We hope that you enjoy it. And you know, Johnny and I are kind of on one end with just the two. Oh, I can't say it. Just, just the, the two, just the two of us here at our church. Yeah. And we represent two different generations at 12 stone, Dan and some of the older staff are on one end. And there's, uh, I think scores of, yeah. of 20 and 30 somethings on the other end. And they represent, you know, crowds of two different generations yeah. as they work together. And they try to mesh both of their work styles and work philosophies into the current cultural and philosophical milieu. Look at you. Uh, did I pronounce that last word you, right? You are no longer in seminary, my friend, but you are clearly an educated man. Hey, hey. <laughs> I don't know what that last word meant, but... <laughs> Didn't sound right coming out. But anyway, this is just a, a great conversation. We hope that you enjoy it. P- put up with the audio uh, because there's great content. Yeah, you won't regret it. Yeah. And so have fun listening to Dan Ryland. Well, we're here with Dan Ryland again for this month of August. Dan, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Johnny. I'm doing really well. Uh, as we were chatting earlier, the Atlanta has some unusual coolness and a lot of rain, but uh, we're enjoying it. We're enjoying the, the change in the weather. Yeah, it's been a weird summer here, too. I planted a garden, and uh, I knew it wasn't going to get too much sun, but I thought, hey, maybe the humidity of Iowa will still make it pop, and then we didn't have any humidity at all. Did you planted a garden, vegetable or flowers or what? Vegetable. My wife wanted a garden, so for Mother's Day I planted a garden, and it's just now starting to yield a couple things. But it, man, I was nervous. I thought we just, weren't going to get anything. Well, just promise you're not uh, planting anything that you can roll and smoke. That's I want to make sure that there's nothing out there. <laughs> it's not Colorado. We're we're okay, still good. in Iowa, so yeah, yeah. I, you guys are spiritual <laughs> leaders now. So don't let me down. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, you did you did know that our denominational headquarters is in Colorado Springs. That's true. Yeah. And well, fu- funny you know. how all the Christian organizations are there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not going to say a thing because my, I'm going to stifle myself there. And You know, uh, Dan, I don't know if you remember Jack Wurtzen, but Jack Wurtzen at Word of Life in Scroon Lake, New York, he would say, high, 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 high up in the Adirondack Mountains. Well, that would have a different connotation Yikes. these days. Yeah, high, high, high up in the Rocky Mountains. Yes, indeed it would. <laughs> well, Dan, we're going to do we're going to do something we haven't done with you in the past and that's just kind of talk off the cuff because as we've gotten to know you, we're we're pretty excited about, you know, the things that you the things that you've done and particularly you've kind of spent your life mentoring and helping other pastors and particularly pastors within the churches you've served in. So, I mean, you've been mentoring and coaching I mean, all of your uh, ministry life. And as Johnny and I were talking, as we've gotten to know you, we've never really talked about personal stuff in terms of you and your ministry. So 
Let me kick it off with one question that I think a lot of us small church pastors can can learn from these questions. So the first one would be, uh, how do you stay how do you stay balanced in a very busy ministry? You know, what is your routine? That's a great question. Uh, uh, unfortunately, I think probably a number of people who know me would consider me imbalanced, but okay. <laughs> nonetheless, uh, that's a psychological thing. Let me go to your question and and say. Uh, Candidly, but with with passion, I really don't believe in balance. Um, I've actually never met a great leader yet, and I've been exposed to some of the best and and been mentored, coached. I just don't think balance. I've never met a great leader who's balanced. And I do believe in rhythm. There's a rhythm to life that makes sense. It's a it's kind of a dynamic rhythm. Um, and, and if you could, if you would imagine kind of this fulcrum with this pendulum that swings back and forth across the fulcrum, uh, I think we, our life is based on the rhythms that we swing out back and forth, and and we we swing out and get things done. We swing out to the other side and get things done. And for example, if you think about uh, vacation. There's nothing balanced about vacation. You take two weeks and abandon all responsibilities and do nothing, you know? Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and so, but the key is you're swinging back to the cross center. You're always swinging back and making connection with center. And, and the problem is a lot of guys swing out. Um, whatever it might be, whatever their obsession is, whatever their passion is, and they don't swing back. And they don't know what their center is. They don't know uh, how, how to keep that rhythm going, whether it's a daily rhythm or a weekly rhythm or, like I mentioned, a, a, a vacation rhythm. For me, now this is just me, uh, my, my center is, it has for 25 or 30 years been based on two things, and clearly two things you can set your clock on them. It's prayer and exercise. Yeah, you mentioned that in a recent episode. I did? Okay. But, but, yeah, but, but we didn't talk about it at all. It was just a, kind of an aside. Well, so there it is. I mean, I think that my if I, if I don't have my prayer time or if it's not long or if it's uh, just not connecting or if I miss uh, my run uh, for the day, uh, I'm just off – off kilter, I'm, the, the 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 rhythm isn't there. My my family, the, my, just who I am and how I behave, and all that kind of comes out of that that center. And I think it's what's great and important is for you know you, Johnny, and the listeners and pastors and people in general. What what is your center? What keeps you balanced? What is it for you that keeps that? dynamic balance lined up or dynamic rhythm lined up and let's go ahead and return back to the word you started with that produces a balanced life when we first got on with you this morning we started talking you know we just said hey how you doing and uh just got into it you you said well this morning was pretty good i had i had some good prayer time and i got my run in and immediately i knew what we were going to be talking about so immediately my mind is going like well that's probably a, a great insight right there and i thought how did my morning start well I rolled out of bed with my child's butt in my face. <laughs> I got them some Pop-Tarts and ate a granola bar while I got enraged by things on my Facebook. And I think to myself, I'm probably not going to have as an effective of a day as Dan Ryland, who started with prayer time and exercise. And I think that that's, that's something that, you know, exercise and prayer time. That might be your center, but legitimately, that's something that every single person needs in their life, and certainly every pastor. I remember when I went to law school, the first uh, first day 
they were talking to us about, oh, because you're in law school, you'll probably develop depression and alcoholism. Two ways to combat that are exercise and quiet time. And, you know, they don't say prayer time at, at law school, but they encouraged us to use the facilities and all these types of things. And now I think I'm more stressed out now than I was in law school, <laughs> my life <laughs> in ministry. Uh, and, you know, I, I rarely make time for exercise. And, and my prayer time is, is not, you know, I don't have it at a standardized time every day. And I think, you know, I think that's a great way to just start this conversation to say, look, find that center, right? Do Do a couple of things and just get on routine. And yeah, I, I agree with you, Dan. And I think we've said this before, balance, that kind of is a myth. So, so you've had your prayer time and your run, uh, you get to work. What, what do you, what's like the first thing that you do with your day? Uh, you know, what, how do you get started? What's your kind of daily routine? Well, here's what's interesting. Why, why I perceive, at least again, for me, why I need that, that kind of, uh, that those things that I can count on those two things, because most of my days don't look alike. I they're they're full, they're fast. Well, one day might be have four or five hours of writing a leadership lesson. One day might have six, seven, or eight hours of people appointments. Another day might be uh, administrative. You know, people running in, lots of emails, this constant. Uh, there, you know, lots of interruptions with uh, over 130 or whatever people on staff, and that's my part of one of my larger responsibilities. You can imagine there's a lot of questions, a lot of things going on, a lot of changes happening. So things are moving quickly. And so while I can tell you on, on the centering part, you, it's like a, a clockwork. The rest of my week looks like it's like manic and out of control. <laughs> <laughs> So, so uh, what I try to do in between those the, the schedule and the appointments and the things that get added in and the writing times and the, the drop-ins and the emails and is I, I do try to build in and I wasn't good at this when I was younger. I try to build in some margins because the margins always get filled. For example, when if we're going to recording here together for an hour, I'll try to have. Uh, Leslie not book something for the next 15 minutes because that's a chance for me to return a call or hit an email or two or three staff members might say, hey, can I just see him for 30 seconds or whatever it might be. I used to have no margins built in for anything and I would get so backlogged and I couldn't jot a note or answer an email or set up an appointment or do anything. So um, again, I think it's more in the practices more than what does my day look like and I think Putting in small margins throughout the day is a really great practice. Now, Dan, I'm curious. You said you have 130 staff, and I was thinking to myself, how how do you personally, how do you keep track? What systems have you set up? How do you keep track of 130 people? Uh, what systems have you set up? I mean, because some of them you're seeing more than others. Some of them are over some of the others. Just talk to us about that. Well, Sure. The first place it starts is I have eight direct reports, and the entire staff reports to one of those eight people. Okay. And so I pour the majority of my time into the eight, and then there's uh, group time. There, there are group times where I'm doing leadership training where I have everyone in a group, and then there are mid-sized connects where um, – um, 
I'm, I might meet with somebody else for a training moment or a coaching moment or a clarity moment or a communication moment. But those are always driven it with connection to the eight. They always know what's going on. Of course, any of them can do a, a walk-in or a drop-in or something. But the glue uh, that keeps all of that from being sort of a random hocus-pocus, like fluid, make it up as you go, <laughs> uh, is our maps. Um, we have uh, a, a well-thought-out system and plan where uh, the, the, the staff have a map, a ministry action plan, and with three really clear parts, and we don't, I, I think we've talked about this, we don't have to go into super detail here, but it kind of, in the net net is their job descriptions, their goals, and their leadership development plan. So because we stay up on those and we can review them quickly and we can send notes and we have leadership language, play kind of leadership playbook language we use, we know how to uh, we have um, system, like system playbook language coaching that we can get to things quicker. Um, that's how we uh, actually find things and discover things because, as you can imagine, with a, uh, a staff of that size, things can get lost in the cracks. Things can get dropped. You can miss things. You, there are people where you know there might be a part-time 15-hour children's staff person, and I walk down the hall and I say, "Who's that?" You know, right, and that, right. That, but but the systems help us keep up. So you might run into Bob and hey, good morning, Bob. How's your uh, ACT for your MPI doing? And he'll know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> well, I hope it's not quite that mechanical. But <laughs> I was thinking you guys are a fine-tuned machine over there, man. That's... Yeah, not quite like that. I mean, with a group that considers sarcasm a spiritual gift, we're not quite like that. <laughs> but but, uh... but it's common language. You have common language that represents the major values of your church? Well, we have common language that represents the values. We have common language that represents leadership development. For example, let's take the mystery out of this. One of our playbook languages are Maxwell's five levels of leadership. Everybody on the team knows exactly what the five levels are. Everybody knows what they're working on. Everyone would know if a guy is or a gal is struggling, they would know exactly what level they're struggling on. Uh, we use our, the Amplified Leadership, the 10 skill sets. We know clearly what the 10 are. We know what skill a, a leader might be working on for his or, her, his or her development. But So that's what I mean by playbook language, five levels or the Amplified Leadership kind of thing. Um, we would use, a, like a Patrick Lencioni, the, the, um, uh, the five dysfunctions of a team, great teamwork language. That, so when, you're, when everybody is sort of studied and they, they get what they're talking about, you don't have to spend a whole bunch of time refiguring out something all over again. And how much language are you using? I mean, you, okay, so you gave us just three group, you know, three sets of things. Uh, yep. where, do you, where do you stop with something like that? Because, and here's why, because as pastors, we get bombarded with, hey, here's this new thing, and here's that new thing, and oh, so-and-so just came out with this, and you know, it's all good, but where do you begin and where do you stop with that kind of stuff? Well, that's a great question and a really good insight because you can get too much. Um, the two the two leadership ones I mentioned are the two primary ones we use. the The team one is a kind of a secondary. We don't use it as much, but we're very familiar. In terms of the playbook language, it stops there. Now, when it goes to values and DNA, we have a couple other three sets of words and phrases we've used that don't come from books and things that we've written. And, and so in terms of DNA and values, 
um, we have there are two sets of three, and then the whole thing in terms of how much how much do you guys really do with all that? That's it. It's in terms of playbook stuff. It stops there. Okay, Johnny, you got a question? I'm, I got a I'm question. hogging all the airtime here. I got a question. <laughs> how many hours do you work a week, and and how has your work changed? You're an empty nester now, is that right? I am. How has your work schedule changed now from when you had kids at home? My wife and I, Patty and I, we've been married 33 years, and um, I love to say we've, in 33 years, we've never, ever, ever considered divorce. Uh, murder, yes, but never divorce. <laughs> You're getting out. That's how it's happening. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, when we and uh, we were married eight years before we had kids. Which was really good because we're both type A, uh, pretty driven people. And I think in God's kindness and his mercy, he spared us from having kids super early because we were just gone and running a lot. So Spared the kids. Spared the kids, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, so, and then another blessing because context is everything. So context point one is, you know, we were married eight years first. And context two is grandma and grandpa have always lived across the street all of our lives. Oh, wow. And, and they've li- literally followed us and moved us. And some people would say, ah, oh, no, go away. They, they, <laughs> but they've actually been a wonderful gift, and we're very grateful. They're both 81 now and still pop jogs five miles a day. Well, he walks wow. five miles a day. And so, uh, so those are two contextual things that will help maybe absorb the fact that I, when I was younger, uh, definitely workaholic type, and I would put in 60 or 70 hours, no problem at all. And and too much, too. But I just have a lot of energy and love what I love what I do. But uh, too much. And I think as I've matured and kind of figured some things out, I've dropped my hours down to about fifty. Um, that would be my more consistent number these days. And also, I've learned to actually work better. Um, an interesting thing. I think I worked so many hours when I was younger, not because necessarily a workaholic or a crazy person <laughs> but i i think i was undisciplined and oh, people sure. say, you're the most disciplined guy i've ever met not really when you don't think you need to go home or when you don't think you need to stop you don't work smart you if there's no stop time you take more time than you need yeah and so uh, and then i think when you get honest about how, if you're there for 10 hours or 15 hours or whatever it is, any, any of us, how many hours are you actually working? And so if you tighten up your day and actually work the hours that you're there, you can go home a lot quicker and be with your family and, and spend more time with them. But then when you go home, you've got to be honest about that, too. Are you really with your family? Right. And so for me now, answering your question, Johnny, it would be more like 50 hours. Okay. And the difference now is um, I, have, I do a little bit more uh, work at, in my home office in the, a couple of quieter hours in the morning. So I might not even be in till 10, sometimes 9 or 10, because I'm, you know, I've got prayer, exercise, and some quiet hours to start. And then I, then I transfer here, come into my uh, office here. And then because I'm an empty nester, uh, I might take a break, you know, have dinner with my wife. We might go, you know, see a movie, do, do whatever. But if I have a couple of hours in the evening, later at night, 
my wife runs the cafe here at the church, and so she might be, we, literally, we might be just sitting there with the TV on, with our laptops open, doing a, doing a couple of emails, and we, we have that margin now because the kids are gone, and sure. we've had great time together. But that's the change. That's how I would say that it's changed for me at this point. Okay, that's that's really good to know. And I think that that answers another question that I had, which is, you know, you, you write and, you know, you speak and, and you have a lot of things going on even outside of your work at 12 Stone. When, you know, when do you make time for that? Do you ever, do you ever carve out time in your office for personal projects, which is, you know, something that they talk about at Google and, and different companies, you know, give people time to do personal projects? Or do you save that all for, for the morning and evening hours? I, I personally say that all for the morning and evening hours. Um, I do that more of a practical thing. I, I put the that sort of that big mid block uh, with people because that's when they're available. And um, I should be quick to say though that Twelve Stone is very generous to me. They're very good to me, and they would uh, allow me to meeting Kevin and the board. They would allow me uh, quickly to do special projects during the day to engage in some of this uh, stuff because part of it really is part of our vision. Part of the vision at 12 Stone is to help pastors and coach pastors and give ourselves away and be available. And they would be very generous with me to do that during the day uh, or even a personal writing project, a next book or something. But just for me, um, there's just too many people to see, too many things going on, and that's when they're available. So I'll put those projects earlier in the morning and later at night. Sure. Now, Dan, I have uh, I have a question, and John Maxwell had a lesson where he talked about how many hours he expected from his staff, and he set that at sixty. I don't know if you remember that particular Enjoy Life Club lesson. Uh, I do. But he said, and I remember listening to it, and he said, "Hey, baby, you know we do sixty hours here," and he and he outlined why. Would you? And, and it was maybe a different day, you know, a different time because this was probably 15 years ago, if not longer, when he would have recorded that. Would you recommend pastors who are adding staff, a pastor of a church of 200 who's ready to add one staff? So let's, let's just make, let's make it me and Johnny, because I just went through this. Yeah. Um, I, had, I had staff previous, uh, but he was older, and now I've got a guy who's 28. Would you recommend that same, uh, that same amount of time for a guy bringing a younger staff member on? Well, I think Johnny should work 80 hours a week. Come on now, Dan. That's, that's <laughs> how long, you know, <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to get him up to 36 hours a week. <laughs> okay. I've been listening to uh, Dave Jacobs too I'm, much. I'm, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. That's well, not I true. Well, rem- I remember, and it was more like 20-some years ago when John did that tape. Okay. And, and he and I have talked about it since, and he wouldn't say that same number anymore. But that, back then, he and I did say that. And the formula was was this, and it was a different day in a different era, and we both acknowledge that. But the formula was this: we believed that the men and women in the church were out in the in the business world, and they would put in forty five to fifty hours, right, right? And then they would come to the church and they would serve ten hours a week. And yep. we said we we should do what they do, and so that's where it came from. And uh, that was a different era. And as I said, John would probably give a, a different word to that now and uh actually we would we would both laugh and say we don't have enough energy to do that (laughs) and and uh um and so let me come to your question would we recommend that no and we would not we would not say that 
we, we would say, I would say, about 50, somewhere in that 50 hours. But see, to, to me, it isn't, the, the, the magic isn't the number of hours because different people have different size batteries, different people have different uh, amounts of margin for their age and stage. It's really about what you do with the hours. Uh, th- there are guys who, guys and gals, who, you, you know, in 35 hours, they'll outwork somebody who puts in 50. So at 12 stone, we really don't count hours. We measure productivity. That's what I was just about to ask. If, if you think ever more about end results over hours put in. Absolutely. Because I'm always, I always think in terms of results. What am I getting done? Not in terms of punching a clock. Here's what we say to our staff once or twice a year, Kevin or I. Uh, we'll say to them, we will never, ever, ever do anything. We would never ask you to do anything. We would never do anything to cause you to hurt your family. But in return, don't ask us to dumb down the vision because you can't keep up. And it's a very open, honest relationship where we can say, well, look at Kevin's family. He, he works the long hours and he works hard. And when he's here, he's really actually working. But he has a phenomenal family. <laughs> And you look at Dan's family, you look at so-and-so, you know, you, you want to be close up and take a look. There's, the kids are happy, things are great, the family's good, and they work really hard and long. So absolutely, we really don't track and measure hours. We don't track office time. We don't count. We don't measure. We look at productivity, and that goes back to the maps that we talked about. And if somebody does it in 38 hours, 0.629 minutes, we don't really give a rip. <laughs> you know, if somebody takes 50 hours to get it done, Okay, then then it took them 50. And, of course, there's an ebb and flow to it. Right. I have one last question for you because we're running running close to time here. But how successful have you been at helping a non-administrative staff pastor or ministry leader become more organized, more administrative? So we're going here to wiring, natural giftedness, somebody who's just not wired because, again, a lot of small church pastors are in that boat. They're just not wired for, you know, high intensity, high complexity, administrative type roles. So how successful have you been taking somebody who's really not not wired for it and just helping them to become a little bit better? I think I'm gonna use the word better there. I, I think actually pretty successful in this way. The leadership coaching principle I use there is I don't want to make them different, I want to make them better. So I don't want to change their wiring. I'm not going to make somebody who um, is just the detail thing. It's just not their gear to all of a sudden. I don't, I don't want them different. I want them to be who they are. But there are some key things, some simple things they can do, whether it's as simple as um, a big, you know, being a little bit better of a list maker or a little bit better uh, on a couple of email tricks that they can do, or just a couple of things that would make them, they ha- and they have to be simple tools. You can't, you can't give a non-administrative, non-detailed person things that are going to annoy them and drive them bats. Because, Amen. Amen, Dan. You, you really can't, because they won't do it. They just won't do it. Don't hand them Evernote. Do not do it. That's a fact. That's a fact. Give them something <laughs> really simple and show it. Show them how it adds value. When you when you don't try to let me let me be quick here. When you don't try to make them different, but you try to make them better, you show them how it helps them, and you keep it really simple. I found that guys actually get better. Then, if they're productive and they're gifted and they're talented, we buttress their weakness by either bringing in a volunteer administrative help 
or bringing in uh, maybe part-time administrative help. But we don't do that. We never, ever, ever hire administrative help to make someone's life easier. We hire administrative help to make someone's life more productive. That's great. I like that. So when are we holding interviews, Jeff? <laughs> when, when are you holding interviews at 12 Stone? For, <laughs> after all these conversations, I don't think Dan is interested. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, I'm we, interested. Him the weakness. I'm interested in sending you to Dan's ministry boot camp. <laughs> Dan's ministry boot camp. Perfect. Dan, thank you so much for sharing with us. You're welcome. My pleasure. Johnny, as we recorded that some weeks ago, I did just get an email back from Dan. The ministry boot camp for you is way too expensive. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I mean, a bummer. For for people that aren't into ministry yet and they're just doing Dan's ministry boot camp, it's yeah. only like one ninety nine for oh. six weeks. Okay. Yeah, but for you, he wants fifteen hundred dollars for like four weeks. I think he knows it's tougher to break somebody. It's a deconstruction right. and then the reconstruction. That's a lot. He said that it's by the hour and it's just gonna be way too it's not cost effective. <laughs> so we've just decided to let you go. <laughs> How could you do this to me on air, Jeff? <laughs> there of, are worse ways. Of all the places for this to happen. Okay, you're rehired. In front of all our adoring fans. Yeah. That's well. That's unfortunate. I love talking to Dan. Every time we talk to Dan, uh, I'm re, I'm re-energized in a lot of ways. You know, um, he is just—he's been doing this stuff for so long and been doing it so well mm-hmm. for so long. I mean, it's incredible. It's an incredible testimony just of God's goodness in his life and and what you can do if you really put your mind to something. I mean, you can you can make something of yourself and, and do amazing things. And look, Dan's in a big church, but I think you can do some of the things that Dan talks about here in your small church context as well. Um, and, and you can have all of the same kingdom impact in your small church context. And that's the thing about talking to Dan is, yeah, he's in a huge church, massive, right? But his heart is for small church guys. And he doesn't, he doesn't, we've never been on the phone with Dan and had him compare like, well, big church is clearly better than small church. Like, that's just not what Dan is about. Well, for many years with Enjoy, uh, as a, as a uh, staff at Enjoy, he would go around and do training seminars for small church pastors. So he's probably spoken to easily thousands of small church pastors. Yeah. If not tens of thousands, I I was one of them at one point. Albany, one New his, York. Albany, New York. Yeah, yeah. leading and growing your church staff. Uh, as I, I it, it's kind of unmemorable, actually. I don't remember much about it <laughs> Be, because because it wasn't John Maxwell. No, I'm kidding. What a thing to I'm kidding. say. I've Our got a, friend. I, Dan I still Ryan. got my three ring binder and all the cassette tapes that came with it. I don't doubt that that is true. It was very helpful. Hey, yeah. hey, I've I've helped you out, right? I mean, you're it's the church true. staff. Leading and growing your church staff. We figured it out. It works. All those years ago in Albany. Thank you, Dan. Without you, I wouldn't be here. We do want to mention one thing. I have Dan to blame for that, huh? Okay. Yes. We we do want to mention one thing. Last week, we talked to Mike Mantell from Living Water International. And we just want to remind you again, if you would like to support Living Water International and what they're doing over in West Africa to combat the Ebola virus, by providing education, by providing supplies, by providing access to clean water. Go to water.cc slash Ebola. 
water.cc slash Ebola, and you can give right there with your checking account or your credit card. If you have not listened to uh, episode 90, um, you should go back and check it out. I mean, talking to Mike Mantell, his passion uh, and his energy for this issue are just so clear. You know, this issue of Ebola, it's, it's, it's a problem. And a big part of maybe stopping this and, and being the hands and feet of Christ in West Africa is becoming aware of the issues. And so listen to that podcast with Mike. Uh, make yourself aware of what's going on. Uh, you won't regret it. I tell you what, you listen to that episode, you will not at the end think, well, that was a waste of my time. I mean, it, it's, it's valuable information. Just today, before we started recording, I saw President Obama speaking from the White House with a group of people where they're talking about the Ebola situation over in West Africa. What Mike has been doing with Living Water International these people have been doing this for years, and they're just yeah. simply redirecting a little of what they're doing to focus on particularly this problem with Ebola. But it's 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 hand in glove exactly what they've already been working on. So all they're doing is just shifting their emphasis just a little bit, and they're meeting a great need. So they were already there. They already had the resources. They already had the know-how. They already had the trust of the people there. Yeah. So when you support them, you're really supporting a great cause. Yeah. So check it out, water.cc slash Ebola. Uh, make a donation. We would encourage you to make a donation. Make a donation through your denomination. Do something. Raise awareness. Um, just something to try to stem this. Thanks so much uh, for listening. We, we love having Dan on the podcast. We were happy to get him back and be able to have that conversation with him. And Carl and Dave Jacobs. Yes, they're Carl coming. Vaders, they're coming. They're we've, coming. We've been remiss. We've had other things coming up and other subjects and, and people to talk to. But we're going to have Carl and Dave Jacobs on, Carl Vaders from NewSmallChurch.com. The Shark. Dave, Carl the Shark, and Dave Jacobs from SmallChurchPastor.com. My warm blanket. They are coming back. Can't wait. (laughs) All right. Thanks so much for listening to the 200 Churches Podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and challenged by this episode of the 200 Churches Podcast. We'll be back next Wednesday to provide you with more ministry encouragement as you pastor your 200 church. Until then, may God bless you as you lead and love your people.